0: In accordance with the principles of double It does not matter if the war is not real or when it is that victory is not possible. The war is not meant to be won, it is meant to be continuous. The essential act of modern warfare is the destruction of the produce of human labor. A hierarchical society is only possible on the basis of poverty and ignorance. In principle, the war effort is always planned to keep society on the brink of starvation. The war is waged by the ruling group against its own subjects. And its object is not victory over Eurasia or East Asia, but to keep the very structure of society intact.
1: The military-industrial complex is kind of like the elephant in the room. People don't want to talk about it, but it's the the biggest influence on what's going on, really.
0: Okay, guys, welcome back to the America Show. We are going to be chatting about... uh, the Police State and Sacred Geometry and all sorts of fun stuff with Ethan Indigo Smith a little bit later. And uh, yeah, it's a funner. But first, as always, Hey, buddy! I have, feel like I've, I just let a lot of people
2: down. That's yeah, you probably did. Well, what were you going to say and then you decided not to? Are you just Nothing. giving up on the G-words?
0: That hasn't been a G-word for like 50 episodes.
2: Just put an O between my initials.
0: Graham um, O Dunlop? God? Oh. How about Graham? This could be the last episode, of Dunlop.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Why is that?
0: Well, we'll see what, what kind of shape you come back in for sure. ball hockey endeavor. Sure. Mr. I want to say. Mr. I've lost 8, 12 ish pounds. I said 5 to 10. You're <laughs> yeah, already exaggerating what I said. It'll grow. grow. It'll grow. Just like the weight comes down, the I shouldn't loss need something, will go up.
2: I shouldn't need something to motivate me to lose weight, that's all. It sucks. No, you shouldn't. But that's good that I did.
0: And it shouldn't be ball hockey with your old buddies if you do have something. I'm, ner- I'm getting nervous. You
2: should. Oh, uh, yeah.
0: You're in terrible yeah. shape. Uh,
2: oh, shut up. I should say a little bit more about Ethan, though, before we continue on. Get off okay. me for a bit. We talk, ab- we talk about a lot of cool stuff, though. Metaphysics of monotheists and Tai Chi and Qigong and nuclear energy, GMOs, all that good stuff. You said it right. Did I? It felt wrong. (laughs) (laughs) It did. So yeah. Anyways, good good chat with Ethan coming up. He's got some interesting work, lots of cool books and stuff. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: So yeah, stuff was a big hit.
2: Yeah, Cliff, I got a couple I got a couple of synchronicities from Cliff.
0: Synchronicities? Yeah,
2: from Cliff's episode already. People r- r- people uh, people emailing in. Interesting. Graham is an
0: all-in believer in control. Yeah, you
2: so yeah, lots uh, of good I'm feedback on Cliff, thing. eh? Good twit tweets and tweets Yeah, tweets and tweets. Yeah, that was that was fun. Yeah, actually I met some local friends too. Shout out to uh to Steve and um, now I'm going to, now I'm going to for, yeah, no, no, <laughs> forget how to say the name. Um, Kareen and Steve, yeah, they were, they're following Cliff High as well. And they, they found us. So yeah, it's pretty, uh, man, lots of good feedback. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Also about, it was a blast. I could do another show with Cliff anytime.
2: Yeah, for sure. Do you want me to get into the synchros then or?
1: I'm a rambling gram with synchronicities all over the web. And Aaron is skeptical about everyone and don't believe it yet.
0: If this jingle had a music video, your little scratch there would have been in, in the Final Cut for sure.
2: Thanks, buddy. Yeah. So, hey, guys, this is from LB. He says, here's a, here's a quick semi-synchro that just happened yesterday. Yesterday I was watching a YouTube video about extreme weather and they mentioned Cliff High. I remember that I used to follow him on some forum years ago. I had actually forgotten all about him and his web bot project. So I got interested again and went and checked out his latest web page. Even gave it a bookmark. Then, today, I go and get your latest podcast and yeah, Cliff is your guest this week. Can't wait to go hear this one. You guys are the best. Don't change a thing. That's from LB.
0: 3.42.
2: Thanks, LB. That's fun. And I uh, appreciate the feedback.
0: Hadn't we been talking about Cliff coming up for a while? I think that synchro is blended. No, I don't think so. Yeah. No, I don't I'll, think so. I'll give it a, since someone can prove otherwise, I'll give it a 4.42. 4.42? 4.
2: Oh, oh my God. Oh my God. What? As you said that, I looked at the number four point four two on the on the email that I'm about to read. Okay. I looked at that four point four two right there. As you said that, I'll give that a seven. This this email is at eleven o four forty two. That
0: means that I uh, did you see that? No, that means that my rating is good.
2: <sighs> We're not shitting. We're not shitting here in America.
0: And I will give your synchro six.
2: This is from, uh, the subject line of this is synchro of the year. Ooh. Yeah, high hopes, high expectations on this one. Well, I played the
0: drum already.
2: So, hey, guys, I'm the guy guy that pointed out the chemtrail sky to Darren on on YouTube, on your parachute jump. And he's that annoying guy on Twitter, he says.
0: Someone else has (laughs) pointed, a few few people have pointed
2: out the chemtrail sky. They were higher than our jump then, I guess, because we didn't jump through them.
0: We should have. We were 4K what four kilometers
2: oh is that what we were Hmm. yeah but planes are usually like i mean cruising 30 35 yeah 30 30 35 so anyways uh he says but check this synchro out i still get chills remembering it it all happened in the space of a couple seconds but it has left an impact on me so great that i have to share it with you it's fast and simple so here goes Driving to work, listening to the Electric Egyptian Show, and James is talking about Analema and how to map one. So as he's talking, I'm thinking, does this, does he mean the infinity symbol? Just as Graham says, you mean the infinity symbol, right? Wow, I thought that was weird, until I look ahead and see this. And it's a truck ahead of him with the infinity symbol and infinity below it. As he's driving, the truck...
0: It's so it's a Honda infinity,
2: no, 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 it's a sticker oh. on the truck on this pickup truck, like if you blow up that picture, it shows infinity huh. there's an infinity symbol on the truck ahead of him at the same time that's it's like a triple
0: yeah, but you guys are both i mean it's a lot of people would think of that when he said that
2: I don't know i i I didn't really know what an anlima was before I read the book. Yeah, but 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 it's it's the, so it's the timing. Where, He's thinking it, I'm seeing it, and he looks and it's on the truck ahead of him.
0: Yeah, I guess. But well, you guys are both just recalling your past memories of what an analema looks I like. I
2: didn't have past memories of an Analema. Clearly, you did. You I was just, thought it
0: looked like an infinity symbol. Were you guessing?
2: Was that a wild guess? No, it's because I learned about it. There you go. But he didn't. How do you oh, know? Oh, maybe he did. Yeah, you but still, about it doesn't. That doesn't down affect, the line. Yeah, I don't think that affects it. So there's
0: probably a million. I bet you, I would like to hear from more people who thought that when they heard that. Because I bet you there's more than one. I bet you there's you more than so? 10. Anyone who has heard before that knows that an Amalima looks like that. Amalima, Amal?
2: <laughs> I think I spelled it wrong on the show notes. Well,
0: that changes it too. <laughs> I'll give it a, uh, huh. it's not the sinker of the year. I, like I, I like the synchro of seeing the infinity in front of a more. I'll give that a 7.5. The first one, I'll get a 5.
2: No, no, it's all part of the same thing. You can't no, just separate no, it yeah, out. No, you can't that's separate it out.
0: That's what makes
2: it so impactful for no, him. No, it's
0: not impactful. You guys are just talking about a word.
2: First then time, it's just the same as my synchro on the street where I'm listening to something and the word comes in when I look at the guy's t-shirt that has the same word on it. Yeah, it's just. But then it's the same as that, then. That, this That's is a compound shit. synchronicity. That's no, what we call no, it. it. It doesn't count. Because then it's going to
0: cheapen the other one. You don't want it... No, it compounds the. The
2: whole thing validity is. Only of the a other six. Ones. Wow. Fucking tough but today. But
0: I will give the infinity to the infinity. The car in front of him. Well, you guys were talking about an Amalima looking like an infinity symbol. I'll give a 7.5. That shit that happened before, you guys, him thinking what you said, which is what anyone who had a vague memory of what an Amelino looks like, <laughs> is going to come up with, is like a four. So it's okay. better to separate it out because if I, all I'm going to do is add the two and divide by two to come up with my score.
2: <clears throat> yeah, it's whatever. I don't have to agree. No, you don't. <laughs> The, prefer,
0: the fact that you don't agree makes me know that I'm doing my job
2: properly. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, there's a laugh segment in there. That's terrible. <laughs> it was a cheer. So, yeah, I got, I got, to, I'm doing a MUFON report instead of the UFO quote of the week, but I also have a story, but I was thinking about leaving that for the next one. But do you got anything to, uh,
0: tomorrow never comes. I have nothing.
2: I, I can't bring read the nothing story. to the table but it's kind of more appropriate for the, for the next release. It's about the phantom moon Neath. What's the
0: next release?
2: Uh, Rick Delano probably, right? That's kind of scary. <laughs> <laughs> so let's save it for that. Let's save it for that one. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Let's save it for that. So I've got the couple, the, the couple move on. Do we have an board. interview booked for next week? Uh, yeah. Okay. We kept saying, you know, what is that? What is that? And it wasn't until after the events happened and it disappeared to the south in the darkness that we went inside. We stayed outside for a couple seconds and we went inside. And she sat on the couch and I went to the bar and I sit on a stool and I took my glasses off and we stared at each other for 5, 10, 15 minutes. Who knows? And I got up
1: and
0: I wanted to go back.
2: You just cut it off right before the,
0: You're sorry, the most important part.
2: Yeah. So I got a couple here. This is uh this is case number 52339. This is from MUFON. This is in the vicinity of Valdosta, Georgia. Two witnesses each with over 30 Why did
0: you say Valdosta with like a,
2: I a Russian, German I said, or I Russian <laughs>
0: Valdosta.
2: Two witnesses each with over 30 years experience as Army and Air Force aircraft maintenance technicians. Reported that on November nineteenth, two thousand thirteen, at six twenty, they both observed a huge triangular-shaped object, a flying object that flew about five hundred feet above them, moving from north to south. The surface of the object was not clear; it had a rippling effect, like a heat mirage down the road on a hot summer's day. There were no anti-collision lights that could be on; that should be on all aircraft. They they both said that the airport or the uh, the object had a wingspan larger than a C5A cargo plane and flew slowly at 10 to 15 knots which is about 12 to 17 miles per hour allowing an examination of the underside of the object the object flew silently with absolutely no noise as it slowly passed by the rear of the object displayed a row of white pulsing lights these lights did not light up the exterior of the object but were set back or surrounded by a shroud as it got further out, a very small drone-like object was noticed flying alongside to the left. When the object got further out, it banked to the southeast, allowing them to see clearly the triangular shape of the object. The next two drawings were made by one of the witnesses and display the object from two different angles, as well as the drone with the rotating lights. It reminds me of a couple sightings that my friends had seen back in like the 90s, 2000s. Back west? My old boss saw a fucking huge triangle-shaped craft over his house, fly over his house. (laughs) Hmm. The other one's from our country, Kitchener, Ontario. Case 50042. Three vehicles pulled over off the highway in the city of Kitchener, Ontario, to observe a strange object that was crossing in front of them. It was 9.45 p.m., but the highway lighting made it easy to see a 30-foot-in-diameter spherical object move very slowly across the freeway, just above the utility poles. The object, only a few hundred feet from the stopped cars, was solid in shape, with a glow that illuminated the trees as it passed by. The primary witness exited his car and attempted to take a photo with his cell phone, but all of the camera functions were dead. He continued to view the object for another 45 seconds. Once the object left... The witness's phone operated properly again.
0: Damn it, eh? He's the party down, in Kitchener.
2: Oh yeah, that's why I got to say about that. <laughs>
0: yeah. Seems like military.
2: They can shut down social media at events and stuff now. It seems well. I mean, if military can, interdimensional beings probably could too. Because they have iPhone schematics. Yeah. So. Military a military orb flying through the sky, like a metallic orb from the military. Yeah. Yeah. Could be.
0: Yeah. I think it's more I I wouldn't it'd be tougher for ET to crack to fuck around with your phone. What? Yeah. They're not gods. Just because they they got here. Look at all the shit we can do and release a bunch of dummies and other they designed them.
2: Maybe uh, what's his name? Jobs was, you know, downloading, channeling. You don't think they can read your minds and get all that stuff? You think that they're going to have a problem figuring out how to disable oh, a camera on they? a cell who's phone? They?
0: You're really going. Look at it. Look at you! Just take the ball and run
2: with it. That's a terrible theory. <laughs> that our military has more power than some supposed ET or interdimensional over our being? technology. No. That's just not logical they at they work all.
0: specifically towards the fucking with. That's E.T. Not. just comes across an iPhone. Oh, no, 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 no. Yeah.
2: Fixed. Exactly. They go right in with their mind and find the camera settings and change it. Probably all through. <laughs> <laughs> so I got more good feedback from Cliff Highs as well. We got, I got a couple of videos of fake clouds that... Um, I want to play the next time we do that segment from planes, and I want to play to show you. Um, no, not from planes. Just flying. You don't out. need to show me. You've
0: well, I just shown want to me. show you the video of okay. the fake
2: clouds during this segment. But I, we don't have it set up to do that, right? No, we like, have to plug in a cord. So we'll do that next time. I'll save it. Okay. But it's very interesting. You, you, I think you'll find it very fascinating. Probably. And if they're making these little fake clouds that can wander around streets, like almost like they have intelligence and they could probably make big They're fake clouds intelligent clouds yeah intelligent clouds nano nanoparticulate intelligent clouds that's probably what's going on <laughs> <laughs> you're not buying it
0: did you just concoct that I did yeah that's why I'm not buying it um
2: so that's about it that's all you got yeah
0: we're gonna cut this intro at 14 minutes oh is that it support the show goamerica.ts <laughs> support help us stay ad sponsor affiliate free
2: got t-shirts
0: got t-shirts
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> we have t-shirts big thanks to our new subscribers answering the call out
2: yeah that helps a lot
0: yeah um yeah sign up if you can't afford it sign up at a buck a month
2: buck that's 11. a good place to start Yeah. yeah that helps yeah We do have fixed bills, and we don't have any ads or any paywalls, or it's all free content.
0: If everybody gave a dollar a show, we'd be laughing.
2: Yeah. Um, What else? Send
0: content, spam, grab.
2: Yeah, Instagram. Check check it. Check us out on Instagram, Twitter.
0: Share the show. We have no advertising. We don't advertise shit. Marketing, you mean? You're saying marketing? But we we don't don't have a marketing plan. We don't advertise. Right. Or market, or have any?
2: That's up to you guys to advertise.
0: You guys are marketers. Get her done. Yep. Sign up for the newsletter. Sign up for your friends for the newsletter. Sign up for people you don't know for the newsletter. Oh, art. slash news Mention art. Mention art. Our buddy Art's gonna come on the show in a couple weeks. Who's Art?
2: Art, like Napoleon Doom, is taking care of our artwork weekly episodes, and uh, people are voting on them and stuff. Uh, oh, we should talk about this. We don't know this week's winner, right? We talked about last week's winner.
0: So, your sister. yeah,
2: it was my sister. Congratulations, Joe! That was for Cliff. Oh, that seems, was Cliff. Shit seems it seems brave. Maybe that's why he's did that episode's doing so well because Joe did the art. Can't rule it out. Anyways, uh, <clears throat> we have unique art every week, and you can see the different art on the different podcast players and stuff like that. And uh, everybody's welcome to throw their throw their piece in if you email nap at com, or you go to lostbreadcomic.com, the Grand America pie art contest um you can find out just how to email him and stuff like that and he gives you some keywords or some sort of show notes and then build a conceptual piece of art with the guest name on it and then Darren puts his uh I'll purple, make an auto
0: like slash art that auto forwards to his website
2: well that's a good idea yeah all right. Thanks, buddy. Biatch. Did you um, ever find that Bitcoin that you lost?
0: No. No? No one's come forward, so.
2: No. Good job. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'm hoping eventually they'll listen to the episode and contact me so we'll have that <laughs> Bitcoin credit with the Fiverr guy. That's the hope. Yeah. Maybe he just never sent it. Maybe. Um, it's always a possibility. What else you got that's it buddy no you gotta have something else
2: really why yeah. too short i got a poem okay this is a poem from the guy that that, wrote, that wrote me about neath but I've, i'm not really i've never done like slam poetry or anything like that but i could give it a try sure I'm a absolutely nervous. this is this is from daniel which I'm going to read the Neath one. I'm going to save that for the other episode, but then he follows up with this. Time for Saturn. Hello, I'm the sun again. I, missed, I messed it up already. Fuck.
0: Try again.
2: Try again. Hello, I'm in the sun again. And I'm in the sun again. What's a mile in space? What the hell is a ton? How fast were you traveling when maths fucked up? Let's radio home for bearings. Feels like that old movie Interstellar. You set out to conquer the universe and ended up behind your own bookcase. One small step into space. Time's long gone. It's fucked out. My watch totally sucks. I've not known anything green this way. I saw green once. Then past, 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 past Mars. Then no more greens at all. I wouldn't even know my own name. If you died on me here, Ace, my Jupiter gravity eyes are deaf. Oh, oh, there's Saturn already. Hi, I'm in the sun. I'm you and I'm me. I'm everyone in the sun again. Two days later, what's on television today?
0: Is it the end? Yeah. Well done, thanks sir. Dan. Read beautifully, thanks Dan. Read beautifully.
2: It reminded me of Ephraim's book, "Smoking Green" on Phobos.
0: I have a <laughs> synchro. <for laughs> I have a synchro for you.
2: Okay. Oh, I have another one on, from nope. YouTube. You're out.
0: A frame, it out, so I'm playing a game called Kerbal Space Program right oh, now, yeah, on, yeah. where interplanetary missions are something you design. Well, smoking weed. That reminds I'm a college grad, yeah. engineering, looking for a job while thinking of the ultimate future goals came to the conclusion literally not five minutes before turning this podcast on that with the budding space industry and cannabis industries i'd want to help grow weed in space anyways 28 minutes in and the conversation has just turned aliens growing weed in space amazing Also been reading Larry Neven for the first time and just got done watching the Star Trek TNG also for the first time. So a sci-fi themed space pop book sounds unbelievably relevant to everything I'm currently thinking about and doing. And this is just 28 minutes in.
2: Nice. I like that one. I had that one saved up too, actually. I forgot about it. Thanks, buddy. That sort of has to do with that poem, I think, actually. Was it? Yeah.
0: Is it the same guy?
2: It might be. <laughs> <laughs> What's the rating? The uh, 6.42. Just... There you go. I
0: like it. Harsh but fair. What else you got? That's it, buddy. One more thing?
2: Nope. Nothing? No. Nope. Are you trying to end this at some 33 moment or something like that?
0: I'm trying to get past 23. So I don't get emails about how cheap and dirty it fell. The last one was long, so fuck it. Enjoy the uh, enjoy the chat with uh Ethan. Indigo
2: Smith. Joe Smith here with us tonight. He's an activist, author, and a Tai Chi teacher. He's uh, some of his latest works. Actually, his latest book is uh, Geometry of Energy: How to Meditate. He's also got some uh, some popular publications like One Hundred Eight Steps to Be in the Zone, and uh, what's the other one I was thinking of? There, the Collective One Guide to Patriot what is that one called what's that one called Ethan the complete Patriots, uh, Patriots guide. guide
1: to oligarchical collectivism Ooh, yeah
2: I like that so uh yeah we've been lo- learning about his stuff here and uh, Darren and him connected somehow online and it's good to have you here Ethan thanks for coming on the show
1: uh, I I bow to you for welcoming me on the show and having me on to speak uh it's the highest compliment a writer can get is just to be able to talk.
2: Nice. Well, thanks for – sorry about the little flub there at the beginning. Uh, we were talking for a while and we thought we better start up the recorder before we start getting rid of all the good stuff. But we do uh, – I was listening to some of your your books. Actually, just – I shouldn't say reading them, kind of reading them slash listening to them on an app. And uh, it's fascinating. It's a lot of stuff that we talk about here, some spiritual stuff and some kind of wake-up world uh, you know, awareness stuff. Actually, you do write for, I wanted to say that as well, you do write for a website, right, called Wake Up World?
1: Yeah, wakeup com. They're out of Australia. They're, uh, of course, international, just website. Uh, and they have some great uh, contributors. Um, that title to that book, first book, is almost a flub in and of itself, so don't feel bad. <laughs> um, and... <laughs> I was inspired to make this lengthy title uh, because uh, this book is kind of the non-fiction version of the fiction book within the book 1984. So right. in 1984, the main character gets a book, and I wanted to uh, present that idea in reality, and that's, that's the inspiration and hence the title.
2: Nice. That's a, quite the work, too. I mean, I, I only received it digitally, so I can't imagine. But, I mean, when I downloaded it into my app, I think it was 19 hours. <laughs> so it must be pretty thick on paper.
1: If anything, it's too big. But it is the complete Patriot's Guide, after all. So it's it's complete.
2: Darren's a big fan of 1984. Year. He's read it a few times. I, I don't know when the last time I have, if I ever have, actually. I must have when I was – I think I did when I was younger, but – yeah, this really well, resonates with you, eh, Dan?
0: Yeah, oh. yeah. What's let me finish
2: striking. my sneeze.
1: <laughs> oh, sorry. W- what's striking to me um, initially about that book is uh, the military state that uh, everyone is in, and at the backdrop is also this suggested nuclear uh, uh, disaster that post England is dealing with. Uh, so this is not so dissimilar to the world today after Fukushima there, uh, that was a paradigm event and the secrecy law in Japan was passed right after that. Mm. So essentially Japan went fascist right after this nuclear disaster. And if, um, you know, the United States EPA and, and even in Canada, I believe, um, these uh, environmental government organizations hid the actual radiation uh, uh, measurements from the public. And I, I start the complete Patriot's Guide with the sentence, it's all about information. Yeah, And this is uh, so true no matter what time period it is. But especially now in the nuclear era, we see – the military-industrial complex is kind of like the elephant in the room. People don't want to talk about it, but it's the the biggest influence on what's going on, really, at, yeah. in overt and sometimes covert manners.
2: Yeah, yeah. I really like the beginning um, of that book where you were talking about truth because it's 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 really the way – it was quite a long, I don't know, chapter, but it really described how I feel about truth, you know, how – how you might, we might know about these historic events, even something that just happened yesterday that you hear about in the news. But to get to the truth of it really is is difficult. There's a whole bunch of different, you know, different sides to the story. There's different intentions, different perceptions. And you really, really sum that up well. I wouldn't mind talking a little bit more about that. Well, thank you. You know, I I really approached
1: writing that lacking an opinion is as much as that is possible. I, I leaned on the side of being pro-individual and anti-institution, if anything. And so, um, in, in doing that, I was able to kind of present, uh, a balanced investigation. And that led me as I was writing it to find some new insights. Um, one, I think is really profound for empowering the individual. And this is what that book was said to be all about, right? In, in 1984, the book, the book within the book, as it's often referred to, was said to uh, empower individuals among institutions. And will well, library and liberty are from the same etymology because when you learn you free your mind and you can do things um there's a famous dialectic called the hegelian dialectic mm-hmm. that's broke down typically as problem reaction solution and it's also thesis antithesis and synthesis excuse my lisp and what I think I is missing from that. What I found as I was uh, exploring this, um, this is a way, this is a controlling trinity, right? Of, of course, everyone presents this idea that this is a way to control the the left-right dynamic is a way to typify it. They come up with their synthesis of ideas that are kind of don't work for anyone but their institutions and it's proceeded but the empowering aspect of this trinity that's left out is nullesis and that is saying no neither so instead of saying one or the other or neither uh or one or the other or the combination you say neither and this is what actually uh, uh civil disobedience does essentially right no no more um, and and this is also really what fascist institutions can 't deal with um, they the definition of fascism is a good example of one that has been very much like in one thousand nine hundred and eighty four and in the incredible shrinking dictionary, but in reality, this definition has been shrunk, belittled, and totally uh, uh, kind of diluted and mixed up with other, other words. Um, but fascism is really, um, uh, a government institution linking with the corporate and even to controlling banking and controlling energy and lending and even information. And media. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, so most, most crucially, um, media, Right and and information.
2: So that's the hard time I have is when you you know the media is just bullshit. But you try and talk to somebody who watches the news, and you try and explain to, or I I try and explain to them like how it's bullshit, and it's difficult. Like it's it's hard to just say you know because it it's so it comes off so strong right, right away. Like let's use one of the just the latest shootings for example. Right, right away the you know it's all about the race card, and they're dividing they're dividing us really. And if you really look into what happened, it's a totally different story. But I mean, to explain to that to somebody, you got to kind of get into the details of each and every instance in a way. But it's really such blatant messaging and propaganda. Yeah,
1: well, it harkens to the expression divide and conquer, but not necessarily divide people, just divide the information, the meaningful stuff, divide it up. And then people don't get the connect the dots right yeah, yeah. Um, and i really like although i'm horrible at math i i really like to use mathematical ideas in explaining politics and actually uh, obviously like with the geometry of energy in exploring spirituality uh there's four types of arithmetic Uh, uh, They've tried to find another way to manipulate numbers, but essentially all of mathematics is just variations of combinations of arithmetic. That's it. And the way these nefarious institutions and institutional representatives, including the media, most the, the media is actually the best at lying. There's four ways to do it related to arithmetic. They add a bunch of bullshit, as you said. Mm-hmm. They uh, subtract directly the really uh, uh, guts of the story that would
2: change, that change out, the whole view.
1: Yeah, yeah. You know, and or they divide information, like I just kind of suggested, or they multiply by adding a bunch of BS that uh, totally takes it away, right? Yeah. Uh, So I think that's a fun way of noting uh, the ability um, to lie. It's not just adding BS, which is what lies are typically, you know, um, or subtracting. Mostly it's adding and subtracting. But the really astute liars, the media, they get into the multiplying and dividing right Hmm. and this this uh shooter in dallas i think they keep on calling him a sniper i I don't think he was a sniper i'm not sure he was a shooter right i mean he wasn't a sniper I, i don't know what the technical uh details are with that but it's just strange to me that they call him a sniper and it was dallas where jfk was you know uh killed so it's just it's just a strange use of language. It's like there's like a multiplier there in a subconscious manner. Yeah, totally. Yeah. It's a ministry of
0: truth. It's just a matter yeah, of time. In a couple generations, it could be so much worse. I mean, they you got your perpetual war on terror, which you need. It's so Orwellian sometimes, it's fucking crazy.
2: So you think especially lately, Darren, it's getting yeah. more towards that? Absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, and we're
1: we're completely apathetic in general to violence now, right? I mean, is it is it immersion in so much violence? Maybe I mean, but is it is it more than that? Is it a kind of training system to be apathetic in total? Yeah. Uh, so I mean, I, I think if we look back in history. We see what is almost absurd to us now people that would defend their name with a duel. And, and of course, I wouldn't suggest that. That's taken it obviously a little far, but that's how much people were not apathetic. <laughs> yeah. And now we let people poison our water left and right to where it's the new norm. And, you know, I, I like to propose. Uh, forget about global warming what's in the water right yeah Uh, so so anyone who doubts global warming you you cannot doubt the industrial soot in our water and 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 so something needs to be changed
2: yeah i appreciated that part of your book as well because i mean we talk about the global warming aspect here as well and there's a lot of other factors that's not talked about as well. But of course, if you even question, you know, human made global warming, you're, you know, labeled a denier and uh, you you don't believe in, you know, recycling and all these other things, right? I mean, there's nothing wrong with trying to maintain the planet, uh, you know, a little bit better and, and all that poisoning, that's wrong. All that poisoning is wrong, but that doesn't mean that, um, you know, that we're causing that, all that global warming. So I like the way you kind of separated that out and and look at it like i heard a doctor on a podcast the other day actually talking about how there is no pure water left anymore like any everything is fucking contaminated now
1: i've heard that before also and i would have to make that assumption after after fukushima for certain uh it would almost be um kind of hard to hard to argue um so yeah. i think Again, yeah, nuclear experimentation. If there's global warring, warming, warming, um, that's kind of something that people don't want to lend blame to. But these things boil millions of gallons of water every day, and and then send it upstream. And not only so, not only are they releasing uh, uh, radioactivity on a regular basis that's incidental and not accidental they're warming up waters wherever they are through, through their cooling systems. Um, so it's, it's, uh, it's, I think something is, uh, interesting that marijuana and hemp prohibition parallel the nuclear experimentation era. Now, what if marijuana and hemp were never prohibited we would we would have abundant resources probably so much resources for clothing and setting things afire burning making shelter we would look at nuclear power plants as pretty silly
2: because of hemp itself like the energy that you could
1: well for one it's the most oily plant right but also it would um it's presents so much just a basic resource that can be then transformed into, well, anything, right? Right, yeah. That, that it would also just be this kind of fundamental, well, why would we set up a nuclear power plant that destroys that land? That seems silly. And that's, if everything goes right, that's what, you know, even a decommissioned nuclear power plant, that land is destroyed. Even just that local area. And um, so... I'm, we're we're kind of diverging off the subject, I guess. But well, it's used. gonna.
2: I think it's gonna happen lots. There's lots to talk about. It. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, the weed and hemp thing is really interesting because it's a sad, sad story about how that all came about. Right? How the uh that movie, what was it called again? That movie that Reef came out. Madness. Yeah, and then Reefer Madness, and then right after that, it got you know. Le- uh, criminalized and all that. And there was the, the people that were making the paper, the paper mill people was the guy, that media guy there, the worst or Hearst or whatever. Right.
1: And And, uh,
2: it's just sad, but it's really coming around in the last few days, a few years. Like you you must uh, notice a difference in the States now. Like are things really going to start open up? And then what happens when they do, right? There's going to be a bit of a paradigm change there when people realize.
1: Well, I think, yeah, I mean, just in discussing the definition of fascism and then hearkening back to what Hearst did with his yellow journalism in order to enable these, all the guys that were working in the alcohol prohibition department started working in the DEA or, uh, or what became, right? So, <laughs> yeah, it's a good crew. It's a good crew. They got each other's back. Um but it's fascism isn't it when it's at the government level right it's the very definition of fascism that he used his media not only to benefit him but his circle of friends and orwell nailed it even though you almost have to sound like a robot to uh 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 uh, explain it oligarchical collectivism right yeah orwell nailed it that's what it is and that's these oligarchies or pyramidal institutions coming together over your average joe that yeah. should have had access to hemp and marijuana
2: yeah and look at how long it took right or how long it's taking how, what States like 80 years alive. 90 years i don't years? think we got hemp
0: yet though They're right like now, uh,
1: you know what i think there's ju- the first harvest of hemp might have happened just now or last last summer or, what, or last fall i should say um, and it's beginning in other states uh, this summer as well. Some, very few, have have now hemp, hemp legalization, which, the, of course, the first hemp law in the United States was if you have a farm, you must grow it. Oh, yeah, right, right. And then talk about another fascist instance in history. The reason they stopped... Uh, ha- having such a thorough interest in hemp is because they found another source for the raw material that could be produced by slaves in the Caribbean. And I forget exactly what this plant was, but it was another fibrous plant. Cotton? No, I don't think so. No, not quite. I might. Yeah, may- maybe. I-, I think there was another one in, in the Caribbean um, along with – maybe
0: maybe just cotton yeah so did you find yourself in winston's shoes a lot of the time like did you walk around feeling like that for a while did you have to
1: uh i mean sometimes i do feel like winston even today you know the first title uh to 1984 was going to be the last man in europe and so uh yeah i think we all feel like that sometimes like especially the more people are beetle bopping on their, uh, iPhone looking for little fucking Pokemon. I don't know. I'm, I mean, and so, uh, you know, the more people are separating themselves from reality, the more I feel like Winston Smith, certainly. Uh, (laughs) but you know, I think there's many Winston Smiths out there. A lot of them, um, A lot of activists are convinced that they're correct. I'm not convinced I'm correct, actually. And that's why I choose nellesis rather than, uh, you know, like siding with some side that turns out to be institutional framework that's often subverted and often used. So it's like we were talking about
2: before, right? And I'm just trying to stay in the middle.
1: The middle ground is where it's at, and the Tao represents that, um, of course, in its in its core. But also, um, uh, Hermes, all the um, great lessons of philosophy. Really, you can boil it down into try to find the balance, hmm. and and uh, that is certainly uh, not something people look for today. People are really materialistic today. Like, uh, culturally we had the hippies and then the yuppies right in the United States and there's the hippies in the seventies, sixties, and then there was the yuppies. They all turned looking for money. Right. But what do we have now? If, if they were yuppies back then, we're, we're so much more materialistic today. So much more. And the sizes, average sizes of houses, represent this. But just looking around, I mean, yeah, people are so much more materialistic. And when you're thinking about stuff, you're not thinking about the real.
2: Yeah, but isn't there also a, a counterbalance to that as well? That that like we talked about um, just in Calgary, even like the amount of reiki students and reiki classes and the amount of yoga going on and meditation is like yoga was 20 years ago like there's there is a whole mind body kind of awareness spiritual movement kind of thing call it i mean it's not really new agey but um there's well, that think, aspect of it as well but I, yeah.
1: I i think you're totally right and and you kind of nailed this uh contrast on the head there because one has to have eaten, eaten eating and housing and all the fundamentals taken care of before you start getting into Reiki. And maybe on your way, you might look into a car and a new phone and a couple other things. So yeah, you have, <laughs> you kind of have to get your stuff together before you can rise up and then you work on these other things. Like you just pointed out this self-development course and after self development, you want to, Hey, Hey, help others develop too. Right. Yeah. So I think it's, you, you can't teach the poor. You can feed the poor. That's a good thing to do, (laughs) but the poor do not want to learn about the Hegelian dialectic necessarily. Right. (laughs) They want it. (laughs) So yeah, all philosophy goes out the window when uh people are hungry um but yeah i think yeah it's a contrast we can only teach the well off or at least the well enough yeah uh, yeah. because otherwise we're hungry and like i don't care what you have to say i'm hungry right yeah and i don't have a roof over my head yeah
0: well that's you need civilization for philosophy almost You need you need some sort of civilization for philosophy to build off of itself, anyway, or to snowball.
1: At least, at least uh, agricultural setup to where not so much, but yeah, certainly society, because little things come up and you need help, and that's the only way humanity is at the top of the food chain is because we help each other. Otherwise, you know. And nowadays, people don't know their neighbors hardly, right? I
2: mean, is that just in the States? <laughs> no, that's here too. Neighbors. It's disappointing. Well, yeah. no, it is it's, it is like that, though. I mean, I live in a little condo complex, and it is disappointing to me that the lack of interaction I have with my neighbors, it's nice to know. Do you try? Yeah, of course I try. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I bet you do. <laughs> I believe you. I actually get, I think
0: that's a city thing, though, because here in Chestermere, like, I, I with my neighbor me Amir in the yard. Then we're having That's a chatting. chat. My yeah. neighbor brought me over mail today because I accidentally put it in her box.
2: Yeah. So, so what about what about people well, that say honestly, that we're? Um, go ahead, Ethan. Sorry, go. No, no. I was just going to say. Uh, well, as uh, someone
1: who's traveled around Canada, being from the United States. I've always been so blown away by the kindness and welcoming uh, people in Canada. So
0: huh.
1: that's when that's it's and it contrasts honestly to most in the United States. But and and you're right, though, it is a city thing. Most people in the cities are suspect of everyone, and so and they're on guard, you know. But yeah, I've I've had I've had nothing but great experiences. Um, in Canada.
2: So speaking of the hungry and and uh, and that type of thing, and the fascist state that most of the Western world is living in right now, what do you what do you say about the people that say, "Oh, we're way better off than we were." There's less, you know, there's less um, starvation and all that. I mean, do you think that there was a point where it was getting better, and now it's getting worse again, or do you think that that's it's not really as good as people think it is?
1: Well, it's great for a lot of people. It's always been great for a but there's also been a lot of slaves, and in fact, there's more slaves now than there was. But this the thing is, is right. yeah. Um, so. And uh, no, please go ahead.
0: Well, I think uh, I think we should try reconnecting yeah, real quick. That, it's, eh? it's pretty. I'm gonna pause the can recording. You, can you
2: pause that? Yeah.
0: Well, I think the part that you forget about is that we're the slave owners now right like everyone over here is pretty well off but all your shirts and shit are getting made in Indonesia and your shoes are getting made and your computers are getting made in China and your iPhones getting made in China
1: that's it and I and I think nothing is going to change unless we all do a collective analysis to the oligarchy because there are institutions and institutionalized individuals that have so much that it's unfathomable to the average individual just in counting the wealth let alone their material holdings. and this needs to change i don't know necessarily the best way but um capitalism is a good idea but what we have now is capitalization we're, we're capitalizing on people and that's not capitalism, right? That's not uh, an exchange. We're straight up letting dubious institutions work over whole cultures and, and you're right. Yeah, it's nice being on the good side of that, right? But let's consider what's really going on in China, Tibet, and, and that's just that area there and exponentiate that around the world.
2: Yeah, and I mean, even even in in our society, like even if you're well off, most people are just in debt, really, and most people, you know, the the expenses keep rising, and the wages aren't keeping up as well. So, I mean, it's I don't feel like we're in a sustainable environment financially either, as a culture. It's certainly not sustainable environmentally
1: now, is it? And, it's, <laughs> and it seems like we're. We're acting like crabs in a barrel rather than elephants on a safari and and those are both acceptable modes in capitalism, but the crabs in a barrel gets you nowhere <laughs> being elephants together you get where you want to go
2: <laughs> so so you've right. got analysis as a as a strategy, and then what about some other practical uses like let's say let's say for example i'm really going to try and shop a little more consciously like when i need something i'm going to buy it from a company who's practicing proper environmental practices and like maybe humane and humane ways ethical ways is there anything you can do to narrow that down and cross off all the companies you don't want to buy for like is there an app you can use for that and i hate to sound well, a little cliche um, but...
1: i i think there is but i think what that represents what doing that represents and and forgive me for sounding like an american but i like to say i'm from the united states right and i and i hope i wish that people would see that difference because right. canada is america mexico is America, yeah. yeah,
2: yeah. And
1: And, but there's something compelling about saying the United States, but the one thing that the United States really did well was set up a bill of rights and the first of the original bill of rights, the first amendment is first for a good reason because it empowers the individual and it's really sad. They don't teach this in schools. But the First Amendment is not only a guarantee of rights, but it's different than all the other amendments. It's a combination of principles that one can apply to guarantee those rights. So it's like a prescription to liberty. Not only is it five liberties, but it's also – five ways to engage liberty and, and and that's what i kind of point out in the patriot's guide really as the pinnacle uh individual empowerment is that um uh you know like typically the first part of the first amendment is um congress shall make no law with in regards to freedom of religion uh, essentially um not those exact words but um and and really what is that saying well All these religious institutions have used it to really make a lot of money, to be honest. But what is that saying? It's saying that individuals can question anything up to and including God, the most uh, likely subject for contention, the most likely to start a fight in a bar or a cafe or just about anywhere, talking about God, the interpretation of God. And so once we can speak openly about God, well, then we can speak openly about the government and then we can find out, you know, my auntie got kind of screwed over by that company too that actually, and the Senator has a share in the government and what's going on. And so the first amendment really is a way to prescribe individual empowerment among all these institutions, even with the simple action of i'm going to choose where i spend my dollar and who gets my money right
2: so there probably are some practical ways to to do I'm sure that right
1: perhaps what i what i do i'll tell you what i do is i buy organic if I buy simply organic, sometimes it's local, sometimes it's guaranteed, um, there was no slave labor and so forth, but certainly I know that the farmers weren't exposed to chemical pesticides and more unlikely there was a whole group of people that were much more caring than here's a great misnomer that's 1984 like that we're working in conventional agriculture there's nothing conventional about conventional agriculture <laughs> nothing at all it's totally chemical conventional is actually organic right and so there's an example of you know how i choose to buy my food. If, if it's organic, I can guarantee that at least the land was not, and, and the farmers were not, uh, suffering, you know, um, some of them may have been exploited. Sometimes some of these bigger companies come in and buy up smaller organic companies and, you know, you may, maybe miss the ball on one aspect of, your refined buying, uh, direction, but, uh, that's a good way to go. I think.
2: Yeah. There's the whole difficulty about organic as well. And I know in your book, you definitely make a point to make sure that when you're, when you're being conscious about this stuff, that you're aware of the institutionalization of some of these things as well, right? Like the organic re- you know, registration or certification that can also be corrupted. I mean, I know that I know a farmer, myself who refused to become organic because of because they were already they were already producing organic product but to take that next step to become officially organic was um was not only not economical but it was also a bit of a farce like they were still going to have certain chemicals coming from other farms around there and there's all these other sort of things to take into account so i guess you got to be careful with that as well
1: Yeah, well, it's it's really expands that kind of notes the expansion of oligarchical collectivism into our very biological selves. Yeah, yeah, this this manipulation of our food product with GMOs is probably uh, the the most corrupt thing that uh, any institution has ever done. By it's nuclear experimentation and looking at it with native eyes first the white man came and took the land then they stole everything and then now they're breaking down the very biology of the sacred corn it's it's highly disturbing they've literally stolen everything down to the very dna of these plants that were you know like corn the most sacred um, to the native peoples, right? Yeah, so, and, look, and
2: look at what's happening with, with that, right? I mean, that's po- it's being turned into poison, really. I mean, now we're all addicted to fucking too. fructose corn syrup and all that. And,
1: and, it's, and it's... Here's an example. There's a perfect example too, getting back to the uh, apathy of vi- to violence. We also have apathy to the genetic manipulation of our food product. And, and this is done by, I mean, you can't make it up. This is done by a former chemical weapons company predominantly. <laughs> and also, it's not like they say, you know what? If you eat our stuff, you're going to feel better. You're going to live longer. You're going to be able to do twice as many push-ups, run faster. It's not like they even got to do that. They, they literally... Uh, dose it with the most poisonous substance um, that uh, they also happen to make and sell. (laughs) And so it's like you can't make out how apathetic we are becoming or became, but it wasn't always the case, right? This has been a procedure over a long period of time, right? Just like the thievery of the corn down to its very biology, it didn't happen right away.
0: I think, though, wouldn't you think that we're less violent as a society than we were, say, 500 years ago?
1: I, I think certainly we're less violent, but um, are our institutions less violent? Right? I think um, our institutions are probably just as violent, but don't have to deal with so many people standing up to them. Um, in in in, i I don't uh uh want to prescribe violence at all in fact if we want to be revolutionary in this war world which i i think um continues today i mean just looking maybe i'm biased but i'm uh, uh being stuck in the united states i see all this money being spent on the police state and on military that that could have been spent on well anything else and and so um i think we at least here in this country are totally apathetic to that uh development um and the it's not revolutionary to approach violence with violence that's the same and so there's really no difference in violence that's not revolutionary at all. Uh, the the way to really engage power in this institutionalization is to stop, You, you know, if, if enough people walk out of said pyramid system, whether it's, um, one, uh, corporation, if they boycott it, um, or, um, enough people, realize that not only did Hillary Clinton lie, but George Bush lied about going to war and all kinds of scandalous stuff that would make the average person puke. Um, Then, then, you know,
2: we can start moving forward, right? Do you think that there's a tipping point? Like, I can't help but think that there's some shift going on. I don't want to sound all, you know... Woo wooey about about the, the you know the raising of the vibration of the consciousness shift or anything like that, but just seeing the Brexit and seeing what's happening in your political system with Trump, like are people sick of the current system now? And although they might not want to tell their neighbor that they're going to vote for Trump, I mean, are are they just maybe ready for a change? Like, is this going to be part of the shift? I mean, I know. Uh, he's got all kinds of controversies as well, but at least apparently he's not going to propagate the same system.
1: I mean, I don't know about him, but I, I think certainly people are sick of the oligarchy and some of them don't even know what that word is, but yeah, they're sick of the bureaucratic connection that is the institution over the individual. Um, No matter where it is, like you said, with Brexit um, and, and uh, all over right now is kind of a modality of uh, demanding change. And, and part of it too, I think is that people have access to information and they're realizing that they're getting screwed by a a institution that is um, not only unwholesome, but too big. Right. And, and that's why, the declaration of independence or excuse me the constitution says you should tear this down whenever you find a better way or whenever it gets essentially taken over from the inside they sort of suggested with your guns (laughs) 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 well well it's really though if enough people walk out of the system the, you know, Gandhi really, he freed all of South Asia by walking out, right? And, you know, a, a good example of him dealing with violence was he refused to press charges on people that mobbed him. He said, I, I am if I'm to press charges in the English courts, that's sending one gangster after one thug after another thug. Why would I ever do that? And yeah. so discontinuing our support, saying no, I, no, nullesis, right, um, is really the most provocative thing. And, you know, in not to point to it as being successful necessarily, but occupy is also an example of no. And essentially the, what you have to do to occupy a space is say no to so many things to your job, to whatever you do normally in a day, and then you uh, you hold the space and and actively vocalize no more.
2: Right. Do you think there was, a, in, the, in the end, when you look back at it, do you think there was a lot of success from Occupy?
1: I think um, there was a lot of ideas shared, and it's also interesting if you you know do a little research, you see that... It, intercities and, um, multiple mayors from multiple cities in the United States acted to shut down Occupy. So, um, for me, it's revealing of not only, um, they had some good ideas and, and also that some of their ideas weren't so good, uh, but it shows you what the institutions will do to stop, catalyze, something that's catalyzing idea, right? I mean, the very notion of, of military psyops, which exist, is, is, points to the power of our consciousness and our mind. So <clears throat> in seeing that these mayors took action and worked together with then police Um and and let alone the um specific city police infiltrated specific city um environments of Occupy, they also work together to minimize it in total. So again, it just points to the power of our consciousness and the power of people coming together.
2: Yeah.
1: Um it 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 didn't necessarily catalyze what they were looking for, but it certainly put these ideas into the public spectrum
2: so in the end this this writing writing of your book the uh the patriot's guide it ended up leading you to the geometry of uh of energy
1: yeah in the patriot's guide i was having um, a hard time presenting the idea of patriot to people as something good Right. Well,
2: I, I, I seem uh, to get that, though, from your book.
1: Oh, oh, certainly. And I, I completely understand it. Um, but what most people uh, commonly think uh, in the negative terms of a patriot is actually a nationalist. Yeah. Right. Yeah. A jingo, a jingoist, someone who's, well, Canada's right no matter what. The United States is right no matter what. F everybody else because we're the best country on earth. Yeah, F those guys for sure. Those, those are ignorant uh, nationalists. Um, a patriot, the definition of a patriot has love of country and so forth. But um, I wanted to contrast patriot in um, terms of information, and I utilized idiot, zealot, elitist, to uh kind of make contrasts to patriot and there's this fourfold aspect uh which i soon found had kind of almost unlimited in scope uh relationships to not only consciousness but also uh, politics and uh i wrote the matrix of four and and soon enough you know uh about a year ago i was uh on a book tour and i was sharing my ideas i was in uh sedona arizona which is like
2: the metaphysical armpit of the world (laughs) i love it i love it oh oh you've been there cool a couple times yeah and i can't wait to go back again at some point
1: i i feel the same way um i i met all kinds of great people and uh in fact, I was having lunch with a new friend and she was telling me about a meditation practice that she did. And because I'm uh, a partly obsessive compulsive with the number four, I, when she told me her meditation process, I, I couldn't help but think how similar it was to the four dimensions of geometry, which are points, lines, planes and solids or volume um and i i mentioned this in the conversation and uh she was like yeah what and the conversation moved on and i kind of had this cliche event where i was camping out in sedona and um not able to sleep because of this new idea and as if something was compelling me to explore it and write it and I thought I was going to write uh, sh- an article and it turned out to be a book. Um, but I, I so I was, I started to explore meditation and actually comprehension of energy um, as, as kooky as that sound, I, that sounds or might sound, I do it in a very grounded fashion. I started to explore these things through the four dimensions of geometry and geometry simply means measurement of earth, and so the geometry of energy is simply measurement of earth energy. Um, and in so many meditations, um, there is concentration often enough on a point, mm-hmm. but but the point represents concentration, right? Um, beyond mathematics, and in just a, a abstract it, the point represents concentration yeah. and that's often the first thing we have to do when we meditate is concentrate yeah, single point point uh, focus not so hard that you stress yourself out right but but certainly you you want to activate the mind most often to quell the monkey mind right you yeah. want to think of something so that you're not thinking of stupid things (laughs) or or basic things rather right and then that's like it why if you're hungry you don't want to hear about meditation because you can't meditate when you're hungry um and and unless you're on a fast uh, anyway um but one of the uh next steps to meditation and the next uh, aspect of the four dimensions of geometry is connection right or or a line and a line obviously symbolizes connection Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and going further to the uh, planes planes are often symbolized as a circle um and in fact the most uh um obvious shape is a circle in nature right birds don't make square nests and Uh, storms are not square so the circle is first uh, or or next and then comes the solid or volume right and in in searching this or or exploring this concept not only relative to meditation um, but also relative to energy one of the uh oldest and most well-known kind of uh You know, forms of intuition that works off of energy Mm -hmm. is tarot, and and of course there's four suits, uh, four types of cards in the tarot, and there's the sword which is a point, and there's the wands which are a a line, and there's sometimes they'll call them pentacles or something, um, but there's uh, um, what they are shape wise is coins. Like a, right? plane like a plane, a circular plane. And then fourth and lastly is the cups, which is a volume. Hmm. Uh, of course, a circular volume too, right? Because everything is a, a rather spherical, I, I should say. The volume of a cup is a, a half sphere. Um, and so uh, the tarot is directly correlative to the four dimensions of geometry in its – intuitive measurement right Mm. um so um i i kept exploring it and it is a, a beautiful fundamental to explore meditation for an a process of individuation right i i present many different types of meditations that have the four dimensions of geometry in them either as specifically as the tarot concept, um, or or perhaps a little bit more abstractly, and in a way that one formulates your own meditation.
2: Hmm. Um, so and
1: yeah. it, that doesn't stray from these really um, valuable traditional uh, sorts.
2: So what would a mantra style meditation be how would that fit in would that be like a like a line or a plane like does it move up to the different styles of meditation like if you went from single pointed focus to mantra to um a walking meditation or to mindfulness meditation is that going through some different uh types there
1: Certainly um
2: the Tibetan Buddhists say that
1: there's only two types of meditation uh single pointedness yeah of- Right? Yeah. And analytical. And analytical is, you know, could be symbolized with a line and perhaps a circle also. Um, but really, a line is almost really a simple way to look at it. So, with a mantra, it is, I think, a single pointed meditation, mm-hmm. right? Because yeah. even focused. if the mantra is very long, you're using the mantra as a as a point of focus um, to shut up the monkey mind. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it really does have that effect. Um, and so uh, the Tibetan Buddhist will say to practice single pointed meditation for many years before you practice analytical meditation. Um, but you could actually kind of ponder the sometimes, sometimes anyway, the same things differently. Um in fact, um uh there's the mantra and then there was there would also be um a mandala that could be used as a single pointed meditation, right? But to engage um further comprehension, one could become more analytical with the mantra or or the mandala, Hmm. um the audio or the visual. Um I, I really um this is not necessarily um, a meditation that I often practice, um, but I think it's a neat meditation on consciousness that really correlates uh, mind state and political state. The allegory of the cave, um, in which, of course, there's four characters. There's the chained and the unchained that are four forced and transfixed by images on a wall that are cast by the captors. Mm-hmm. And then the fourth character, uh, the fourth type, is the freed prisoner. And, and this uh, Socratic allegory of the cave is like Neo in The Matrix, right? Everyone is living in a cave, and Neo gets freed from the cave and he goes, oh, my God, this is reality? Holy cow. Well, in in the Socratic version, he uh, is brought out of the cave and realizes, oh, wait, so that's the real light. The sun is the real light, and that's a real horse, and oh, my God, I've been lied to, and everyone I know has been lied to. And so you can apply that allegory politically, but you can also apply it – Individually on a conscious level, how many caverns do we exit in our own consciousness, right? Like, thank God I'm not like the teenager I once was yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because I've come out of the cave, so to speak, only to find uh, there's another cave here um, on a consciousness allegorical level, right? Um, so, a lot of these. Um metaphors, allegories, and so forth can actually be utilized in meditation um through analytical processes hmm. to to enhance consciousness and and certainly they were meant as that also uh, maybe not necessarily allegory of the cave, but i I would think
2: hmm. so how does your your Tai Chi practice or Qigong people practicing energy work like Qigong fit into the, the geometry well,
1: well, there is um, a couple of specific practices that are uh, a little bit esoteric in their um, design, but um, really depict this circulation part of, uh, of the geometry of energy. In, and they're the microcosmic orbit and the macrocosmic orbit. And essentially, you're, you're circulating energy within and then beyond that circulating energy within and with the universal energies, um, you know, in Tai Chi and Qigong, the center point of our universe is the North star. And I mean, it's the, yeah, it's the point that doesn't move. Right. <laughs> and, and, uh, so this, uh, macrocosmic orbit connects with the North star or one's own, star in imagination and the earth energies so it unifies the uh masculine and feminine universal energies um and that these are kind of grand circulation ideas that relate to the circle but in tai chi specifically um it's pretty much everywhere um because tai chi means yin yang and uh so tai chi shuan is is actually the human, uh, practice of the yin yang, which is not a flat coin. It's a globe, right? Um, and so like with Tai Chi stick, it really, uh, illustrates this. Um, but any movement, um, you are the point yourself and you're, Using your appendages to clean the space around you, and you, when you practice Tai Chi, you kind of gain a perimeter awareness um, that's maybe magical, maybe intuitive, but it kind of begins to expand your your perimeter uh, senses expand, um, and it sounds kooky, but when you experience it, then it's actual. Physical
2: um, physical uh, perimeter awareness or, or more of a metaphys- yeah, metaphysical?
1: Both. Absolutely. Both, both yeah. certainly. Um, but but certainly physical. I mean, part of the reason... Um, well, it, Taiji means grand ultimate, which means yin-yang, right? right. So, so it's the grand ultimate form and the grand ultimate martial art because it's kind of the way of no way, like the Tao, hmm. right? Which is this um, there's no, um, you know, th- you don't think about how you're going to hurt your opponent. You just see their energy and let them do what they're going to do. Right. Um, so it's, and that's the highest function of martial arts, even if they're hard styles. It's you don't want to have a plan. You want to. It's wanna,
2: intuitive, it's in the flow.
1: Exactly. Um, And, and so, but I, I also, I'm not uh, by any means an expert with the stick, um, but I practice Tai Chi stick. And when you're moving the stick, which is a point with these, excuse me, a line with these two points at the end, you move it in a circle. And at first it becomes and looks very much like a plane. And then as you start to manipulate it further, it's holding a solid, hmm. right? Um, and so this is also the form, right, where you are first this point in your, you know, your individual center point is often in, in Tai Chi anyway, referred to as the Dan Tien, which is like the root chakra. Yeah, yeah. You know? um, and and so that's your center point and you get that spinning, and that kind of engages the rest of your body. Uh, I like to say Tai Chi doesn't make me less clumsy, but it makes me uh, more likely to save myself from my clumsiness. And so we all are basically these, have these straight appendages, right? These kind of clumsy, straight appendages. And when we practice Tai Chi, we turn the straight into circle and even spherical.
2: Huh. Yeah, like that makes sense. I've done a little bit of qigong, and um, yeah, maybe that's why I, I catch things that fall now. Really? That's, uh, that's, what, and that's
1: exactly what I mean. That's exactly <laughs> what I mean.
2: I, I still- yeah,
1: nothing falls. I just catch everything. You're
0: a catcher. You just catch everything. Yeah. Ground the catcher. <laughs>
1: Yeah. And, and so this, this idea, uh, of, of Neo in the matrix gaining so much insight that he is able to understand before it happens. It's not so out of our grasp. Um, I, I think intuition is something that's practiced just like drawing, right? We all have the capability to be an artist, but do we practice it well but then we think we can't
2: do it <laughs> it's tough though I, I think even for I think for guys it's I've said this before but I think it's tougher than than for women for us to get out of our heads or for me to get Absolutely. out of my head and get into my intuition like well, how do I discern negative thoughts or, or just thoughts random thoughts to you know for for intuition
1: yeah well I, I feel like women are. And, and this is not so abstract, but women are just open. Right. And that's why there's so much political mediation that's focused on women. They get it. They get hit much harder than guys with social constructs. Right. And, but also on the other side of mediation is their ability to gain intuition. Yeah. Right. Yeah. They're, they're completely open to it.
2: Like, like get this, get this. I, I tried to follow my intuition. Darren, you're going to like this one. I tried to follow my intuition yesterday. I usually leave my sliding door open and, uh, for my cat to go in and out. So for some reason yesterday, I thought I, I, I feel like closing this and I'm like, okay, I'm going to listen to my intuition. I'm going to close the door. Cause for some reason I had this fear or whatever, like I should close the door today. So I get home after work yesterday. My cat was locked out on the balcony all day long. So, so much for my intuition. I ended up locking him outside.
1: Yeah, sometimes that happens.
2: I, a
1: good way to think of intuition is, um, well, it's, it's very much like piercing the veil, that, that idea, right? But if you take a stick and uh, poke water with it, all of a sudden that stick looks like it's maybe uh, four inches away. It varies, right? It just doesn't look right. And I think in, intuition is like trying to discern where the stick is at. Hmm. Um, so it takes practice. It takes knowing um, how the piercing works, right?
2: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Whether we, whether it's coming from a almost like a true source or not, or whether it's coming from some you know fear, like some deep fear based uh, cognitive thing that's going yeah, on.
1: That's this this discernment is the biggest lesson in intuition, it, and this is I think that what you just said stems from um, you know you can't go looking for money with your intuition. You know, people often will say, well, if people were psychic, you know, you, you would hear about a psychic lottery winner. Well, it sad. I mean, it just doesn't work that way. Right. The universe has to kind of be in agreement with you (laughs) for it to work. So uh, often enough, if you have a selfish or fearful motivation, you're not going to get any intuition. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and so or or you're going to miss it. And that's why you don't hear about the psychics winning lottery, so to speak. Um, but what what is winning the lottery? Right. I mean, long life and vitality is is the most valuable thing out there. We again, we get so caught up in, uh, you know, this focus on materialism that. Now, you know, now I can only find a good thing is comparable to winning the lottery, right?
2: Yeah. What do you got? uh, What do you got coming up the nowadays after you got this book out, the geometry of energy?
1: Well, I'm, I'm working on a fiction piece. I've, I've uh, written a couple of fictional pieces in the past. I'm working on a fictional piece. That's set in New York City dystopia, hmm. where a drug dealer turns into a book dealer because the First Amendment and uh, the right to communicate is
2: basically eliminated. <laughs> oh, I see. Yeah, that's interesting.
1: So, so the uh, it's a book about um, a book that enables people to be psychic actually. And on that being released and people realizing who's been lying to them, all chaos erupts and then they start banning that book and a lot of others. (laughs) So it's a a fictional piece, but I'm working on that. I'm working on a Tai Chi book. You know, I just finished a little thing. I, I've been kind of honestly scared to even talk about it, but uh, it's called the metaphysics of monotheism, and I kind of go against you know most of the you know five billion monotheists on the planet, give or take a <laughs> couple billion. Um, so I might I might anger some people, but what I do is essentially propose that there's no one in oneness.
2: Right, it's
1: it's all, yeah. it's all, yeah. it's all, and so that's what spirituality is is really about is the oneness, not the one. <laughs> yeah.
2: So when is when is that coming out?
1: That's out. the 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 metaphysics of monotheism is out.
2: Oh, okay.
1: Uh, like I said, I've kind of been kind of just like maybe I shouldn't talk about that, but. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, but you got it out of me.
2: <laughs> yeah. No. I think that's. I think that's a good one, man. Anybody that can find that balance of spirituality without the dogma of of religion or the dogma and politics and all. That, I think it's it's healthy.
1: Well, you know the the Jainism is the old wife, probably the oldest religion on the planet, and their whole thing is yeah, that, that's great. Whatever you do, you know, um, and and of course they are really uh obsessed on not hurting anything or anyone but but uh, but really at its primary they're like yeah oh a christ awesome muhammad great um whatever you do is is awesome just don't hurt people around here you know yeah um so uh, and i think yeah we've 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 lost that Um, In exploring monotheism, again, yeah, I learned some things I wasn't expecting, but um, monotheism, I mean, just that word is so messed up. Mono means basically one, and it also means moon, but it's like one, and the means, well, one, the, and ism is the way. (laughs) So it's like monotheism essentially means the 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 way Hmm. and you know it's like so it it enforces uh, on this psychological level um, all kinds of issues you know it said uh, culture runs downstream of religion and uh, excuse me politics runs downstream of religion and culture runs downstream of that Right. So religion, whether we like it or not, is so influential on our government and our culture.
2: Yeah, that's interesting. I would I would urge people to check out your writing as well on on the website, uh, wakeup-world.com. You've got a couple of late recent ones too. the bottom, the political bottom line, can spirituality overcome the oligarchy and uh, some stuff on nuclear experimentation Is that yours? Yeah. 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 I just,
1: I just kind of finished that political bottom line, and um, again, like I'm no monotheist, but um, the story of Jesus really is compelling in the way that he uh, bettered himself, and then he went out to heal and teach others, and then he went to the most diabolical institution he could find around him, and said, "You guys suck. Out (laughs) of here." Right. And so that's that's really inspiring. Um, And you know what he said the last supper? He said, remember me in my death. And we uh, culturally now we don't do that. We remember his great birth. Mm. So it's it's an example of how the institutions use the story to how they want to present it. But actually, wow, that story is a total spiritual story whether you want to you know regardless of what you think about religion he went to the big boys and said out of my dad's house you you are the most diabolical things going on and, and and you you know a lot of times institutions uh chastise that event as the one fault of jesus right because he was this otherwise peaceful individual well he still was peaceful I, I, I think he just was sick of what they were doing right
2: yeah I also want to point out the uh, probably my favorite one was your your writing on why alternate alternative media is the new mainstream and then at the end you so you go through a whole bunch of you know stuff on the new, new media compared to the old media and how there's really basically like six corporations running 90% of the media this year um and then you get into like the top 50 of your uh, favorite alternative media sites, right? Which is great. There's a bunch of stuff on there that we we follow there. There's, you know, there's The Zen Gardner and there's uh Corbett Report and a bunch of people that we've talked to as well. So it's good to see see that list there.
1: Yeah, I wanted to really unite the uh alternative media because there's some diversity even in that group, you know, and I wanted to really Bring everyone together, even if it was just in that little list. And I also found that an, an, a neat phrase in that article: uh, the paperclip theory. Yeah. Right? yeah. As as opposed to Operation Paperclip, where the U.S. brought over um, in secret at the time um, all these Nazis that should have been put on trial.
2: Yeah.
1: yeah. Um, and so, um, the paperclip theory is kind of this proposition. Well, why are there so many kind of Nazi people around? It sure seems like he's a Nazi. Um, and so maybe, well, they actually are. <laughs> uh, so, but you know, it, cause it's, there's sometimes these lies weak so bad that you have to wonder why would they do that? Why would they risk everything to lie about that little thing? Yeah, and yeah. and maybe there's some sense to it if you look at the possibility that they have some bigger thing that they're trying to hide.
2: Yeah, it's it's fascinating, and that that one thing, the Paperclip Project, Paperclip, even though I've heard so much about it in the last few years, it still doesn't get any real official um, attention or official what am I trying to say? Like the uh, critique, you know, like why, why aren't <laughs> more people talking about it? They just sort they, of whitewash it.
1: Yeah. Russians oh, yeah. were coming. It's totally whitewashed. Well, and Russia had the equivalent operation. They they brought over a bunch of um, Nazis to high, high level, you know, valuable folks. But it, it's, I mean, obviously most of them are, you know, very old or, you know, getting to be gone but where are they now as far as their families are their families in these high-level institutions now yeah exactly
2: they're, uh, f- it's, they're, they're flying uh, uh, around and they're flying around in all the flying saucers that they brought over with them <laughs> yeah <all> right. <laughs>
1: Or, or, but, but they were kind of like these, you know, I'm sure that they ended up at these Ivy League universities and got into the cuts of all the elite of the United States, Yeah. you know, yeah. And, and maybe, uh, surely there were so many, not, not to say they all stood by these Nazi principles, but in looking at the behavior of some of these police organizations in the United States, one has to wonder.
2: Yeah right on buddy well thanks for um thanks for sharing that getting when when you uh when you come out with that uh next one there what was that one going to be the the fictional piece there let let us know when you come out with that yeah, fictional it's, piece.
1: it's uh the new printed threat okay, that's what it's called <laughs> okay cool. yeah yeah so yeah i'll definitely i'll definitely let you know and I, and again i bow to you guys for letting me on and communicate and
2: um i hope everyone found it somewhat valuable and interesting and Again, I much much appreciate it. No problem. Yeah, we're gonna yeah, link anytime. to we're gonna link to everything in the show notes as well. Your that uh website there and your books on Amazon and everything. Well thanks, guys.
0: everybody should uh read nineteen eighty four and then read the guide afterwards. If you haven't read nineteen eighty four, read that and then read the guide. Absolutely. Okay, well thanks a bunch, Ethan.
1: Right on, much love, peace on earth. All
0: okay. right, thanks
2: buddy. Bye. When you come up to Canada, let us know.
1: I'm gonna be there. Okay. Looks like sometime, sometime after November. All right, buddy.
2: Okay, take care.
0: Peace. Okay, bye. And that was our chat with Ethan Indigo. What do you think, buddy?
2: Yeah, I like it. Yeah, yeah. I like that dystopian kind of stuff right now, and the meditation and the spiritual part of it. And we are yeah.
0: dystopia. We? So you haven't read 1984.
2: Uh, yeah, I have. It a long time ago, I think. But I don't really remember it lately. It's kind of on my list of uh, old to classics do. to do, you know?
0: You should do it sooner than later.
2: Yeah, probably. Eh?
0: Yeah. So big thanks to Ethan for coming on the show. Check out his books. And his blogs. His blogs. And uh yeah, good luck to him in the future. Yeah. What... uh Check out uh, grandamerica.ca slash support if you enjoyed the no commercials during the show. Sign up for a monthly or send a one-time donation, whatever tickles your fancy. Spam grab, free Dream.
2: Gram. G-R-A-H-A-M H. at com. That's
0: right. Sign up for the newsletter.
2: Send your art to nap at right. Graamerica. That's right. As in taking a nap.
0: That's right. Is that it?
2: That's about it, buddy.
0: Uh, alright guys thanks for listening we will see you next week